If we have met, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, we are in the midst of a series that we have entitled Walk This Way. Uh, with this series, we're just kind of using backpacking and uh, a walk on the trail to illustrate the spiritual practices and a walk with God. And so each week we're taking a different spiritual practice, and we're using that <clears throat> to illustrate a um, to, to be illustrated by a different piece of trail gear. So every week you go, hey, here's this piece of trail gear and here's the spiritual practice that this piece of trail gear illustrates. And then we're just talking about, okay, how, how does this spiritual practice help us to seek after God in such a way to come to better know him relationally and as a result of that knowledge to come to uh, love him and obey him more and more. And so throughout the course of the series, we've uh, looked at the practices of prayer, and the practice of Bible reading, and the practice of serving. And as we continue today, uh, as chance would have it, uh, we're going to look at the practice of community. And before you shoot me your connection card or catch me afterwards and be like, well, you just decided to preach about community today because everything going on with COVID, um, don't do that because I actually plan things out much further in advance than just a week. Um, call it coincidence, call it divine providence. We landed on community today. So, um, now, as we talk about community today, uh, we want to make sure we're on the same page with what we mean. So, for, for the sake of our conversation today, we're going to define community like this, all right? Community is intentionally sharing your life and your relationships with others. It's, it's about, I'm going to share my life and my spirituality with other people in my world, when we talk about community today, the idea is we're going to be intentional about sharing our lives and our spirituality with other people in our world. And, and this, this is one of the ways that we seek after God. This is one of the ways that we come to better know him relationally. Now, that being said, a fair question that you could ask is, okay, how does sharing my life and my spirituality with people here on earth help me connect relationally with God in heaven? And that'd be a fair question. And again, as we talk about all these different spiritual practices, the idea is that they are a means by which we connect with God relationally. So how, how, does, how does sharing my life and spirituality with people help me connect relationally with God? Well, I would argue that the Apostle Paul sheds some light on how this dynamic works as he talks about spiritual gifts in the book of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes about spiritual gifts, and he writes this. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So as Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he, he, there's just a ton in that passage. Among the different ideas, I, I, I'd highlight these three for us. First of all, Paul is, is telling us that spiritual gifts they come from the Spirit. They come from the Lord. They come from God. The spiritual gifts we have, we receive them from God. Next, Paul tells us that all of us have different gifts. You have different gifts and the person sitting next to you has different gifts and the person sitting next to them. 
And then finally, and most important to our point, Paul tells us that spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, when you see somebody living well into their spiritual gift, the Spirit of God himself is being made manifest to you. When you have an opportunity to be around someone and they are really living into their spiritual gift, who God is in his personhood is being revealed to you in the language that you understand best, the language of humanity. Now, I I had an opportunity to see this on display in a beautiful kind of way earlier this fall. Back in September, uh, one of our elders here at Faith, a guy named Kevin, his dad passed away suddenly. And so Kevin did what you do when you're, you know, somebody in the family passes away. He went down to Ohio. That's where his dad was living. Met his siblings down there. They began to try and put, you know, his dad's affairs in order. And they hosted a funeral in remembrance of his dad. Now, Kevin's in a small group with some folks here at church. And some of the guys in his small group, they wanted to be there for their friend. And so what they did is they piled into a vehicle on an afternoon They drove 115 miles down to Findlay, Ohio. They spent a few minutes, the appropriate amount of time that you would at a viewing with Kevin and his family. They had the viewing the the evening before the funeral. And then those same guys piled back into that car and drove 115 miles back home on the same day so they could be ready for work tomorrow. Now, I had an opportunity to talk to Kevin about that. As I'm talking to Kevin over the phone, I can literally hear him choking up as he's talking to me about how in what his friends did for him, the love and the sacrifice of God were made real to him in a tangible, flesh and blood kind of way. As his friends lived into their spiritual gifts, Who God was in his person was made manifest to Kevin. See, community is meant to do this for us. In community, we're around other people and we get to see God in the midst of that. In his wisdom, in his providence, one of the ways that he makes himself real to us, reveals himself to us, is through other people. Now, whenever I talk about community in this way, Inevitably, I will have somebody approach me afterwards and say, you know, that sounds amazing. But I'll just just be honest with you. I I haven't found community to work like that for me. And more often than not, when somebody will have that conversation with me, as I observe that person's life, the thing that I observe, and it's not always, but more often than not, the thing that I observe is that when somebody tells me that, it's, it's because they failed to learn the lesson of, of the mat. When community doesn't work like that for them, it's not, the, the issue isn't with community. The issue is that they failed to learn the lessons of the mat. Again, with this series, what we're doing in, every week is we're taking a piece of trail gear and we're going, hey, how does this piece of trail gear relate to this spiritual practice? And so today we're going to use a sleeping mat and we're going to dive into some lessons that the mat can provide us about community. So let's take a minute, we'll pray, and then then we'll jump in. Father, just thank you today that we get to be here, that we get to worship, 
that we get to try and connect with you and each other. Again, whether we're worshiping right here in this room today, whether we're worshiping at home. Father, we pray you would pour out your spirit on our time and onto our hearts. Father, I want, I want to pray especially for some people in our church family just who are struggling right now with cancer. Just for Michelle Deegan's mom, Robin, as she's starting a whole nother round of chemo. Father, we pray for your hand of mercy on her and on her body. Father, we just pray for Chrisasha as she's uh, going from one appointment to the next. And they know the cancer is there and they're monitoring this and watching this. Father, we pray for wisdom for the doctors, for your hand of peace on her family, for your hand of protection and healing on her body. And just as we consider community, especially in this time and this season, please open our hearts and our minds to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we talk about sleeping mats today. We're going to look uh, at a story that contains a sleeping mat, and it's found in Luke's biography of Jesus' life, and in it there are some lessons from the mat for us there. So in Luke chapter 5, picking up at verse 17, here's how Luke starts this scene out. He says, uh, one day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were there. They had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So as the scene opens up, you find Jesus getting ready for a sermon. And it was not an unusual thing to find Jesus preaching. He did a lot of that. Uh, this particular sermon is unique. This particular sermon is actually pretty important. See, we're at a point where Jesus' popularity is beginning to surge. And he's getting all kinds of press. And the religious leaders, the, the, the religious establishment, the big dogs, they have heard about Jesus. And so now they're coming to, to hear this particular sermon. Now, they're coming from all over the place. There's going to be a whole pile of them there. And they're coming really to make sure that Jesus is, um, you know, not starting some kind of crazy cult or something that his teaching is, is on par with what they'd expect it to be. But in this sermon, Jesus has an opportunity to win over the religious establishment. He has an opportunity to legitimize his ministry with leadership. Now, the, the, the religious leaders, they are not the only ones who have heard that Jesus is coming. In fact, we're going to see in just a few minutes, everybody has heard that Jesus is coming. And everybody is going to like try and get there and get a seat and, and hear this particular sermon. And among the everybody, we've got this small group who's going to show up that particular day. As Luke goes on, he tells us that some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. You have this small group show up, and, and in this small group, one of their members is a man who's paralyzed. Now, there are a number of things we don't know about this man. We don't know his age. We don't know his name. We don't know how he became paralyzed. We don't know how long he's been like that. But we do know, based on history, that this man's life was probably incredibly difficult. That this man's life, in a lot of ways, it was reduced to his mat. 
Now, th this is my very first backpacking sleeping mat. Uh, I purchased this when my wife and I took a backpacking trip for our 20th anniversary. It was the first time we ever went. It was $25. We went with the cheap gear to get started. Uh, the first piece of trail gear that I replaced and upgraded was my sleeping mat, all right? Because there's not a lot between you and the ground on this thing. But nonetheless, I've got all kinds of fond memories and emotions associated with this mat. Like, I, I, I've spent time looking at the stars in the dark night of the UP sky from this map. I have fallen asleep to, you know, babbling brooks and crashing waves on this map. I celebrated my 20th anniversary, if you know what I mean, on this map, all right? I got all kinds of fond memories and just emotions associated with my sleeping mat. You're welcome. You're welcome. Our paralytic... He had a sleeping mat, but he did not have all kinds of fond memories and emotions associated with it. Instead, for him, his life was reduced to his mat. He, he only went as far as people would pick up his mat and carry him in his mat. He'd sit on his mat and he'd beg people to give him enough money to survive. His mat, it was like a prison cell. His mat, it robbed him of his dignity. His mat was his dream crusher. Now, he had a sleeping mat like other paralytics, but, but this particular paralytic, he had something that most paralytics didn't have. He had a group of friends. A group of friends who heard Jesus was coming, who heard about the kind of things that Jesus was said to be able to do. And his friends thought, you know, if we could just get our friend to Jesus, maybe Jesus could do for him what we've heard he's done for so many other people. And so they're having this conversation together, and one of them says, hey, why, why don't we go by, pick him up, and take him to where Jesus can be preaching? And the other one's like, well, I don't know, what if he doesn't want to go? And the first one's like, hey, if we pick him up, what choice does he have, right? So they go pick their friend up, and they take him to Jesus. And, and, and in this we see the first lesson from the mat. See, the first lesson from the mat is simply this. It's that community is built on priority. Community is built on priority. If we're going to experience what we long for, what we need, what God meant for us to experience in community, community has got to have priority built into it. Now, for, for the, the, the folks in this small group, they had all kinds of excuses, all kinds of good reasons not to do community with our paralytic. The, 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 this man being paralyzed in the world that he lived in, there was all kinds of stigma associated with that. This isn't the kind of person you just fall into relationship with, that you accidentally stumble into some kind of community with. Not in the world they lived in. For example, Aristotle wrote this about men like our paralytic. He said, let there be a law that no deformed child shall be raised. Romans, they took it seriously. They took it a step further. They actually had a law in the books that read, quickly kill a deformed child. 
to the, the Greco-Roman world that this man was surrounded by, there was no compassion for him in that world. They just assumed seeing him dead. And the Jewish world that he lived in, it wasn't much better. The theology of his day taught that he was paralyzed as punishment for sin. Either he sinned or his parents sinned, and God intentionally caused him to become paralyzed so as to punish him for his sin or his parents' sin. See, to be friends with a man like this would have been inconvenient. It would have been socially unacceptable. It would have been to invite religious judgmentalism. Again, people are thinking, hey, th this guy's paralyzed because somebody sinned. It's probably him. And we all know that good religious people don't hang out with sinners, and you all are his friends, so what does that tell us about you? See, to be friends with this man, it wouldn't have been a convenient thing that you just kind of stumble into. No, th this is something different. Now, I don't know why this group befriended our paralytic. I don't know why they chose compassion over brutality. I don't know why they chose to engage him rather than look the other way and pretend they didn't see him. I don't know why they saw him for who he was as a person instead of judging him by appearances, but they did. And I can tell you this, it didn't happen by accident. No, this was intentional. Community was a priority for them. It was a priority for them. Wouldn't have happened otherwise. Now, experiencing and building genuine community, it works the same way for us today. Even as we have all kinds of things in our lives that would crowd community out. Between our calendars, between our work and school schedules, between trying to keep up with the kids' activities, with everything going on with COVID right now, we have all kinds of things that would keep us from making community a priority. So as, as, as we think about this, just let, let me ask you, like, how much time, how much energy do you invest in those kind of things? And how does that compare with the time and the energy that you invest in something like community in your life? Something like making sure that you are invested in spending time sharing your life and your spirituality with other people. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but we'll spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week at work. We'll spend 12, 15 hours a week in class and then two to three times as much trying to keep up with the reading and the homework. We'll spend... God knows how many hours in front of a screen streaming and gaming and, and, and scrolling. How, how much time and energy do we invest in something like community? How, how do we do it making sure we're carving out time on our calendar specifically for that? How do we do it protecting that time? How do we do it making sure we're there and fully invested and engaged when it's taken place? See, again, I'll have people come to me. We'll talk about community, and I'll have people come, and they'll be like, well, I mean, that sounds great. I really would like that, but it just doesn't work like that for me. And again, more often than not, it's because they've failed to understand or live into 
the lessons from the mat. Oftentimes, community works the way that it does for us because we're getting an appropriate investment, a return on the investment that we've made in it. If, if I don't make this a priority, it won't function the way God meant for it to function in my life. I won't, I won't, I won't experience the benefits that he designed it to bring. I won't meet him the way that I'm meant to meet him if I don't make this a priority. And gang, if ever there was a season where we needed this, this is the season. We are get, I, I watched the last season of COVID unfold. And I watched people barely get through that isolation. We're getting ready to enter into another season. And they, they're telling you on the front end, oh, this is just going to be for three weeks. I remember on the front end of the last one, it was only going to be for three weeks. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm, I'm just saying, listen, don't go into another season of this again, doing it in isolation. You've got to have community. And you, you get to pick how, how you're gonna, what format you're going to have. Whether you're going to do that in person, whether you're going to do that over Zoom, whether you're going to do that over the phone, but don't go into this next season without some kind of community in your life. Make it a priority. Make it a priority. So first lesson from the mat, community is built on priority. Second lesson from the mat is community is built on vulnerability. Community is built on vulnerability. See, in order for this small group to work, all right, the, 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 the folks in this group, especially the paralytic, they're needed to be vulnerability. Just think about it. He's got to let his friends serve him and get him to Jesus. He's, he, he's dependent on them. He's got to trust them not to drop him along the way. As every time he's with his friends, there's going to be all these feelings and thoughts that get stirred up. As he sees how they have strong arms and strong legs and strong backs, as he sees how they're free and independent, as he finds himself thinking, I hope I'm not a burden to these guys. I wish I had what they had. Why, why did my life turn out like this and their lives turn out like that? See, if, if our paralytic's going to be in this group, his mat demands, requires of him that he's going to be vulnerable. And yet, the vulnerability that his mat demanded of him, it turns things upside down. So, see, again, in, in the world that this man lived in, the, the, the rules of the society that he was surrounded by, his mat should have separated him from his friends. But because he was willing to be vulnerable with them, it actually drew them closer into relationship. His mat provided his friends with a context to humbly serve him. His mat provided them with an opportunity to accept him, to accept him in the face of his weakness. His mat provided his friends with an opportunity to love him when his world would prefer he didn't exist. The vulnerability that his mat required 
brought together with a group of people worthy of his trust, allowed this paralytic to to experience community in ways that he never would have without it. Vulnerability. Community is built on vulnerability. Now, again, it works the same way for us. If we're really going to experience what community is meant to bring, if we're really going to meet God in the midst of this, we got to be willing to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to let people see and carry our mats. So again, let me ask you, what's your mat? What's, what's, what's the area of weakness in your life? What's the thing in your world, if, if you had the choice, you just, nobody would get to see it. You keep it hidden. Maybe it's your anger. Maybe it's your lust. Your oppression. Your anxiety. Your need to control everybody and everything going on around you. Maybe it has something to do with your finances. Maybe it's a particular relationship in your life. But what's your mat? What's the thing you're struggling with right now? See, in order for community to really take place, we've got to be willing to be vulnerable, to let people see that, to let people carry our mats with us. Now, again, it needs to be a priority. We need to be regularly getting together with people to share our lives and our relationships and our, our, and our walk with God with them. But it's not enough to just get together with folks once a week. It's not enough to just make it a priority and show up. I've, I've, I've got to be willing to be vulnerable when I do show up. I've I, I got to take the mask off. That smiles and tells everybody, I'm fine, I'm good, things are going all right. And then if I'm really slick, I turn it around. How are you? (laughs) That's how you get the attention off yourself and onto them. And you look spiritual while you do it, right? How are you doing? Ah, I, I need to be real. This is what's going on in my life, and this is how I'm doing with it. This is how things are going on in my relationship with God, and this is how I'm coping and I'm managing. If, if I'm really going to experience community, i got to quit trying to put forward this perfect version of myself and let people see the mat. In his book, Everybody normal, is Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Him. Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Him. John Ortberg, he quotes another author. And, and you want a great book on community? That's the book I'd recommend. Best book on community I've ever read, and it's one that I've stolen from extensively from this message. Um, But he quotes another author who writes this about this point. She says, there's no ideal community. Community is made up of people with all their richness, but also with their weakness and poverty. Of people who accept and forgive each other, who are vulnerable with each other. Humility and trust are more at the foundation of community than perfection. See, if we're we're, going to meet God, if we're going to see who he is, experience him, connect with him relationally, 
But Matt teaches us communities built on vulnerability. Well, Luke continues. He continues, and as he does, he reveals another lesson of the map for us. You know, you have these, these friends, they show up to, to try and get their friend to Jesus. And uh, Luke tells us next, he says, when they could not find a way to do so, to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. See, these friends, they, they get their, their, their paralytic to Jesus, and they got a problem. The place is packed out, standing room only. They cannot get into a door. They cannot get in through a window. There's, I mean, it's just too crowded. They did not have enough sense to register for church beforehand. Get their tickets, right? In all fairness, though, this, this is in olden days and you couldn't register for church. They didn't even have enough sense, though, to reserve their seat in church the way that we did back in olden days. It's a biblical principle. We've all read this proverb from Second Thessalonians. It says this, Thou shalt place a bulletin on a chair to reserve thy seat, and anyone who sitteth upon it shall be cast into utter darkness, right? They didn't know. They weren't trying to be irresponsible. They just, they're operating out of ignorance. They get there, and they got no way to get their friend to Jesus. And as they face this problem that should have defeated them, they decide instead to get creative, to get a little bit unorthodox. Now, Luke is nice about this. He tells us that, you know, they lower them down through the tiles. Mark describes this a bit more vividly. Mark tells us that they dug through the roof. See, roofs in in this time, they're, they're made up of of tiles and mud and clay that are all packed together. So you get up there, you can stand on this thing. It's like a floor underneath you. And to get their friend through this roof to Jesus, they're going to dig a hole in the ceiling while he's trying to preach. Now, you think the person whispering behind you is an issue? You think somebody's cell phone going off in the middle of the sermon is a distraction? It is. Silence that thing, would you please, right? You think the baby squawking's a problem? They are digging a hole through the roof. Dust, debris, and dirt are raining down on top of people, right? You know, try and imagine being the homeowner. You know, this is happening in your house, too crowded, you can't get out, you're on the phone with Allstate, and you're like, there's a hole forming in my roof. No, a hole in the roof. I just need to know, is this mayhem covered or what, you know? What, is it an act of God? I don't know, Jesus is here. Does that count, right? It is complete chaos. And yet, what you have happening here, these friends come up against something that should have just shut the whole thing down. But their love for their friend and their confidence in Jesus are greater than something that is insurmountable. And so they're like, we're, we're going to crash through this roof. And they start digging. And that's our next lesson from the map. It's this. It's a community is built by roof crashers. Communities built by roof crashers. 
See, see as we do community with other people, problems are going to arise. And, and we cannot give in, to, if we really want to experience community, we cannot give in to the temptation to think, oh, wow, boy, that's, that, that problem's pretty big. Let's try and steer away from that one. Ooh, don't, don't let her, you know, start talking about that. That's going to derail the whole conversation in group tonight. All that thing that's going on in their home, that, that's beyond the scope of the group. We can't handle that. Instead, you really want to experience community. Let your love for your friend, let your confidence in Jesus be greater than the problem that you see presented before you. Try and figure out a way to bust through some roofs. Now, I, I love when I get to see that kind of thing happen. And I got to see that thing happen throughout the summer and into the fall this year. Many of you know the Coopers. Jonathan and Princess and their family call Faith their home. And it's no secret that early on this summer, Jonathan's health just went down the tubes. And, and his health declined very rapidly. And so Jonathan very quickly reached this place where he couldn't work any longer. And where physically, it just was not safe for him to be at home. And frankly, the issues they were facing medically and financially and with insurance and, and all other kinds of things in the world, it was overwhelming to the Coopers, to anybody who was on the outside looking in, the, the problem seemed insurmountable. And yet, watch this group of guys come together who love the Coopers. And we just decided, you know what, we're going to try and bust through some roofs. And I watched them gather a team together and help the Coopers get their house ready to sell and get it on the market and get it sold and get into a, a home that was more appropriate for them. And I watched them help the Coopers navigate the healthcare system and find a, a, an appropriate placement for Jonathan. And I watched them help the Coopers do some fundraising. Jonathan's insurance doesn't cover the cost of his care, and he needs it. And right now, the next year of his care is covered. I watched them help the, the Coopers navigate the insurance system and the healthcare system and more. Now, Coopers aren't out of the woods, but today, because of their friends, had so much love for Jonathan and so much confidence in Jesus, they broke through all kinds of roofs. And today, there is hope and there is help available to this family because some people decided, you know what? I don't care how, problem, you know, how big this problem is. We're just going to try and do something. Let, let's just see if God shows up. And he did. And I watched community be experienced by Jonathan and his family in deep and rich ways. Because some folks were willing to try and break through some roofs. So Jesus gets the dust out of his hair. And he looks up at these dirty, expectant faces looking down at him through this hole. And he looks down at this paralytic on the floor. And Luke tells us that when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the friends and the faith of the paralytic, 
He says to the paralytic, friend, your sins are forgiven. Ultimately, forgiveness is an issue between Jesus and the paralytic. It's not going to happen without that paralyzed man having faith in Jesus. But that man's faith wouldn't have happened if not for his friends. If he hadn't had a group of friends who were willing to make community a priority, who were willing to do vulnerability with him, who were willing to try and crash through some roofs, if not for the faith of his friends, his faith never would have been possible. His friend's faith opened a door for him to have faith himself. Now, I love the way that Luke ends this scene. Jesus pronounces this man's forgiven. And Luke tells us next that the, that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, Jesus has this nasty habit. He does this from time to time. He knows what people are thinking. And then he tells them what they've been thinking. Which I, I got to imagine had to be unnerving for the people who got to experience this, right? And so Jesus knows what they're thinking. He tells them, he says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Now, you think this through, all right? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Like I, I can sit here all day long and tell you, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. How do we prove that? Right? Somebody's paralyzed, and I tell them, get up and walk. It's real clear, real fast, whether or not I have the authority to pull that one off or not. So Jesus says to them, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But then he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Son of Man is Jesus' favorite designation for himself. He's saying, hey, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, hey, I want you to know that I have the authority to forgive sins, which by your logic would make me God with skin on, now wouldn't it? And so to prove that the first statement is true, let me bring the second statement about. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them and took up what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. Amen. See, you have this group of friends who bring somebody to Jesus. They're just trying to get their friend to Jesus. And as they do, they make community a priority. And they, they share vulnerability. And they bust through a roof. And the power and person of God are made manifest to them in ways they never could have imagined. And in ways they never would have experienced otherwise. That happened as they lived in the community. So as we finish today, let me ask you, who's your community? Who, who are the group of people you have in your life 
who you share your life and your spirituality with. And if you don't have a group like that, again, please, please don't go into this next season without one. Fill out your connection card. Just text the number on the screen. James and his team would love to help you get plugged into a group here. If you don't have one, please get one. And if you do have one, how are you doing with the lessons of the map? How are you doing at making community a priority? How are you doing at letting people see your mat and carry it with you? How are you doing crashing through some roofs? So we get ready to pray. Whether you're with us in person or online, I, just, I would love to pray with you about community. And if there's, a, there's an aspect of that if there's a lesson from the mat, you know you need to live into more fully. I want to pray with you about that. And if, as we get ready to go in this next season, you know you need community, I will tell you right now, if you're really going to share your life and your spirituality with other people, you need to have first shared it with Jesus. And so if you're here today or you're watching online and you haven't done that yet, I would love to pray with you as well. Have a conversation with God where you just confess to him your brokenness and your sin. We ask for forgiveness. You put your faith in Christ and surrender yourself to following him. So let's pray together. Father, thank you just for the lessons from the mat. Father, for those of us today who need to get into a community, Father, I just pray that we take the steps to do that today. Father, for those of us who have community but need to make it a priority or need to be more vulnerable or need to see problems as an opportunity to break through a roof, Father, whatever that is that we need to take and live into more fully. Just in the quietness of our heart, we want to offer that up to you and commit ourselves to that. And Father, for some of us today, we need to start by sharing our lives and our spirituality with you. And so today we just, just confess we are broken, we have sinned, Spiritually, we're alone and isolated. Forgive us, please. We need a Savior. Like that paralytic today, we want to put our faith in Jesus. We want to hear him say, friend, your sins are forgiven. We want to surrender ourselves and our lives to following him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.